This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I am joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? I'm okay, Steve. My, uh, my wallet's a little bit lighter these days. You know, we, uh, we gathered the troops, a little IG Live this weekend, and um, we had a few listeners take a little bit of money off me this weekend. I lost everything. Uh, you know, I put probably way too much money betting against Ben Blankenship, and, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, that was fun. We jumped on a little IG live. Me, Mike, uh, Pat Flo for the big friendly, uh, big friendly four. Good time. We got to got to chat with a couple of the couple of the P two some you know a couple of the listeners, some of the P two E fam. Um, it was a good time. I think we're gonna keep doing that for future races. And as always at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Boys, I am good. I am not at the House of Sav tonight. I am at the office. And I need to give a big old shout out to my lovely girlfriend, Megan, because I completely forgot my recording equipment, even though I knew I was going to be recording the pod today. So she dropped it off on her way to work. Uh, a little change of plan, like the slightest change of plan, like just throw the microphone and the cable in your bag and you can do it. It was too much for me to handle. Like I just am, you know, I'm, I'm a simp. I can't do that. So thank you, Megan. She saved the podcast today. MVP of the podcast. Way oh, to yeah. go, Megan. Oh, That's yeah. huge. And at the 27 Video Production Studios, we got Pro Flow. Flow, how you doing, bud? Steve, it is good to be here. And wow, that's all I have to say after I'm driving home from a nice, lovely family vacation. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't all nice, as I'll get into, but I just couldn't believe my ears when um, I had to listen to the blasphemy that was being said on last week's episode without me to defend myself. So I have a few things I'm going to go through here quickly. One. I didn't just take a vacation like Trent, as you said. I brought all of my stuff to record. I was ready to go. And then my poor mother fell and broke her arm hiking down a mountain, had to hike down two hours with a broken arm until she could get in an ambulance and go to the hospital. That tied up my night taking care of things. As I explained to my co-hosts or to the co-host, I'm just a producer, but for you guys just to say that I was just on vacation as if I don't care about this podcast was incredible and so disrespectful because that wasn't the truth. So I want all the listeners to know that I do care Two, Steve. I'm starting to think that I respect the sport of running more than you do. You continuously just say all you have to do to be good at this sport is just do it a lot. And in my training that I have been doing for months now, you guys are so dumb. You are so dumb that I've been doing for months and haven't spoke a word about it. I have found there's so much strategy involved in this sport and things you have to be good at, little things like every other sport out there in the whole world. And I have so much respect for the sport. You don't just have to do it a lot. You have to know the ins and outs. And I'm learning them. I'm struggling a little bit. But then now we're getting into it. Four minutes and 10 seconds. It was the best thing in the world that I wasn't on the podcast because if I had asked for the spread that I wanted, it would be so different than what it is right now. Uh, so, yeah, we can get into it if you want to, but those are my first little thoughts, so th- uh, it's really good to be back. Yeah, Pat, if you're not on the podcast, you're going to get eviscerated. That's just 
that's just what it is. Whether it's fair or unfair, it's just, it's just going to happen. And Pat, it's not about, it's not about if you do it, right? You have to do the sport to be good at it, but you got to do it for a long period of time. And if you've been doing it for months, kudos to you, brother. I'm looking forward to race day. If that, if that's the case, but the thing about this sport, Pat, is this sport is like, it's like the way Rashid Wallace would talk about a free throw, right? When so somebody that didn't, when, when, when somebody would get to the free throw line and they didn't deserve to be at the free throw line, he thought it was an unfair foul and they missed the shot. He would say, ball don't lie. Pat, this sport don't lie. So when we get out on the track next Friday night, we're going to see what you're made of. And, hey, if, if, you, if you get within the spread, if you have a big night out there, all power to you. I'm going to congratulate you. I'm going to be your biggest supporter. But, man, don't throw out claims that your legs can't back up. I would say one of my favorite parts of this podcast, and I look forward to it every time, is, you know, when Steve has a point that he wants to make and he just digs way deep down into his Rolodex – for the most obscure sports reference he can to drive home his point. I mean, it happens, I'd say, you know, once every three or four episodes, but good, good shout out to Rashid Wallace. Sorry to interrupt you flow there, but I just, you know, if we were just going to sit there and let that reference go, you know, on, you know, unspoken about that's just ridiculous i thought that was one of those things that didn't have an origin i just thought it has existed in like the ether for for eons right ball don't lie everyone's always said that i had no idea you know we can attribute this 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 wonderful use of the english language to rasheed wallace well i don't know if he started but he he definitely made it famous he definitely made it popular and in trent as the basketball guy on this podcast i'm shocked that you didn't know that I mean, I'm not saying I didn't know he didn't say it, but I just like the idea of attributing it to him. Um, and yeah, I know I'm a little embarrassed here and now I'm scrambling. I'm just trying to, to try and save face here. But um, yeah, just shout out to Rasheed Wallace. That's all I have to say. He was the man. <laughs> Let's have a Rasheed Wallace like just session right now. <laughs> well, well, hey, guys, you know, speaking of this, you know, we are a week away from the drop of this podcast. We are a week away from the P2E two miler. And thank you so much to everybody that's already signed up. It's going to be a ton of fun. You can enter a time, any, any, you can enter a time for the two mile, a virtual two mile, anytime between August 19th, all the way to the morning of August 22nd. We're going to have a virtual after party. You get a sweet P2E t-shirt. I can't wait. They're at the printers right now. I think they're going out in the mail tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. It's got our new logo. It's super comfy. Uh, you know, like vintage style t-shirt, but it's just going to be a good time. So if you want to, you know, if you're looking for a race, I mean, there's obviously no races out there. We can't race in person. So might as well race virtually. And, you know, it's a way to kind of help support what we're doing, keep what we're doing going, because, you know, the, the fact of the matter is podca- podcasting costs a little bit of money. We got, a, we got a couple expenses and we love doing this, but we need a little bit of money to keep it going and keep growing. So help us out, support the P2E, uh, P2E brand and, and join the, uh, the P2E two mile. Steve, when does the registration close for that thing? So I think that we can go all the way up to the first day of the race. So if you still haven't signed up, I think we'll close registration on, we'll close it Tuesday at midnight. So you have until Tuesday at midnight, Tuesday the 18th to sign up. So for the last second, folks like myself, that, that means we have plenty of time to, to procrastinate. No, I'm just kidding. Go on peaktorhelly.com and sign up right now. All right, Mike, let's get off the running news.
Alrighty, boys. So we're going to start our running news the way we always start with a little bit of results. And uh, so Steve mentioned it a little bit beforehand, but we got together. We watched the Big Friendly for this weekend. Uh, you know, there were some, some of the same characters out there. Some of the guys weren't there. Uh, what do we think of this race? I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the uh, the previous Big Friendly by any means. I mean, you take Pete Julian's team out. You take Craig Engels. You take Donovan Brazier. I think they're on their way to a Diamond League meet um you know later this week so you take them out it was just it was just sparse you know it 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 was uh it was fun to see you know some of the the beasts out there and um you know it was fun for me to see Ben Blankenship out there not necessarily for Mike um but you know you saw some decent times um Eric Avila running a great 1500 meters or strong kick at the end which was exciting to watch but at the end of the day you just can't compare it to the big friendly three or even the big friendly two it was just uh you know, it, it wasn't as exciting. Just a little less buzz around this one. Still fun to watch live track, but I, I totally agree. It didn't have the same kind of uh, anticipation that it had. Um, can someone explain to me the, the name here, Force of the Friendly? Is this a Star Wars pun? Are we still doing that here? Yeah, so I think they're trying to go off in these Star Wars. I think we came up with some better names, but yeah, they're, they're going down these like Star Wars nerdy themes. I'm tired here. of it. I'm tired of it. We've had, yeah, we we got got had your fun with it. Let's, let's pick a new theme here. Just one week ago, we were praising them for those names. Yeah, yeah, yeah but this you, one was like... You ran its courts, yeah. No, I think, uh, obviously, we had fun with it. I thought the environment we set up, you know, we were putting down money. We had, you know, making these bets here and there. It was fun, right? And that's what makes the sport exciting. And that was as kind of dull as the races were. That was one of the most fun I've had in a long time watching racing because we had a group of people that we were watching it with, and we had some good banter going, but... Yeah, there was no results here to talk about. That was like, wow, that was crazy. That was mind-blowing. It was, you know, pr- pretty uh, standard race there. Yeah, good to, good to see some of our favorite athletes get out there. But at the end of the day, you know, I, we, we were just so pumped up after the last big friendly that this one was just kind of a letdown. But, you know, we're get, they're getting out there. They're, they're doing something. And, you know, they're, they're broadcasting it live, which is always fun. Where was the multi-gender uh, 4x400 this week? I don't know. That was, I, I was that they've kind of the past, the, the big friendly two and the big friendly three, they kind of made that a staples doing some type of fun relay at the end. They didn't do that. Maybe they just didn't have enough people. They didn't have I think enough that's, teams for it. Yeah. I think that's what it was. I just don't think there was the participation this time around. I think it could have benefited from a little like continuity with the different events here. So um, maybe if we had like the, the standards, whoever had the fastest, you know, 1500 time over the entire series, you know gets a little bonus or something like that like something that you know diamond league we have the standings here and there's too many runners coming in and out of this to to have you know uh points per per race and get scores but maybe they could keep this thing a little bit interesting if they had a little bit of like a series here it was the big friendly and and people got you know again whoever has the best time in each event or something including the the fun four by 400 you know gets a little prize at the end they could they could do a little bit more here to keep our keep our eyes peeled well i think the problem with that is it was like it was a pretty organic thing it yeah. started as just like a couple people getting together and you know putting a, you know putting some time trials on on YouTube for, uh, you know just just to do something and then you know became a little bigger with the big friendly two and then they kept it rolling the three and then the four so I don't think anybody planned this I think they just they just called the first one the big friendly and they kept them rolling. Well, then good for them. It was a, it was an overall success even with a little bit of less buzz in this last one. All right, so next piece of news, not results. But we got an upcoming race here. The London Marathon has announced that they are going to go forward with an elite field, which is a big deal 
as we've talked about in the past, Kipchoge versus Bikele. We were afraid that this might not ever happen. And there hasn't been a full announcement on what the elite fields are going to be, but what they have announced is they've announced two names that will be in this race, and it is Kipchoge, and it is Bikele. Gentlemen, it's on. It's happening. Let's go. Just just cap the field right there. Yeah, right? I mean, that's, like, it. that's all we need. <laughs> we don't need the London Marathon. London Marathon's not happening this year. It should be the Pagele Kipchoge Challenge. No, seriously, even though there's going to be a few more runners in there, this is great. I mean, this is this is something I, I kind of support for more marathons doing. Like, not just having these all-inclusive marathons where everyone shows up. I like the idea of showcasing a few elite athletes. This was a uh, big, exciting news. This is huge. I mean, we were waiting for this. We were waiting and said, what's the first big city marathon that's going to do an elite only field? And we started talking this way, way back when there was rumors of the Boston Marathon getting pushed. We said, okay, what marathon is going to take it? Just the elite field. And we talked about all the potential great things that could come from that because I think the biggest, the biggest, uh, the, one of the best things about the sport is when on race day, when you're going to run a marathon, you're lining up on the same race line, same starting line as the best athletes in the world. You know, the, the, the race that the elites are running, you're running as well. The only problem with that is you have tens of thousands of people that want to be in and around the race that aren't watching the race. So now we get to have a race that is focused around just the best athletes in the world. And it's going to be great. And the other awesome thing about this is unless, you know, you're, 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 you've qualified for the Olympics and you're kind of taking a little bit of a downtime before you ramp back up heading into the Olympics next year, the London marathon, you know, every single elite marathon in the world is going to be trying to get into that race. So we are going to have a stack field. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped about the Bekele Kipchoge like that. It's about time. That's going to be a, a great showdown, but we're going to get a ton of other great marathoners in this race and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. To, to your point there, Steve, it's like, th- that's what the hype is going to be around. It already is around Kipchoge Bekele and that's what it, it should be. Right. But it's like, what, where are we at? If one of those two doesn't win or, or worse, like one of them like follows off the pack in like, you know, mile 12 or something. And then we spend all this time hyping it and it just turns into, you know, some rando or, you know, other elite guy who just comes and runs away with it. Kipchoge and Bikele don't even like actually race each other. One guy drops out with like a, you know, sprained ankle or something at mile 12. Like we can't have that happen. We can't have our first big event that has all the hype, all the big names. Like we need these two. Yes. I want to see good races. I want to see elite guys out there. But I need, like, two miles to go. I need Bikela and Kipchoge right next to each other just for an absolute monster duel. We need to have this, you know, come through. We need something big here. So I don't think that there's going to be, of the qualifiers, of the U.S. Olympic qualifiers in the marathon, I don't think we're going to see anybody go run um, London except for maybe Rupp. Do you think that there's a chance that Rupp is a you know shows up and runs london oh wow see why not because that will essentially be it will essentially be like a six month or a little over a six month cycle right or not cycle cycles probably (laughs) word to use there but so let's see what are you what are you trying to say about yeah so he'll 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 have like a decent amount of time to come down and then and then get his marathon training back up and then and then he'll have another 10 months before the before the uh before the olympics so you know, is there a chance that he shows up? Well, so when, when is this October? 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, the timing works out for any of the elite guys that maybe weren't uh, preparing to do London, right? You oh, I think it works time. perfectly. If, yes. you, if you didn't qualify, it works out perfectly for you. Yeah, and even if you did qualify, I'm just saying, like, you have enough time here to, to get yourself into racing shape. I mean, none of these guys are just sitting on their ass at home eating potato chips. Like, people are still staying in good shape, and there's enough time to put yourself in the racing shape, but at the same time, you're not burning yourself out, you know, for I actually think, like, and we've seen it with some of these track races that have gone on. Like, this is an opportunity for a lot of guys and ladies to run some really freaking fast times because they don't have any of the bullshit like qualifying or any of the, the meets that their sponsors want them to go to. It's all been canceled. So if somebody can get this on the map here, like on their calendar, they can really gear up for it and do all their workouts preparing for it. Dude, I don't know. Like October is not that far away. I know October feels like, like it should be far away. It's really not that far away. I mean, that's seven weeks away. And I know none of these guys are in bad shape, but I don't think you just like hop in to like one of the most elite fields in the world on seven weeks notice if you haven't been like locked in in the zone getting ready for to throw down a marathon like right i know that they could get in good race shape in seven weeks but there's a difference between getting in good race shape and like getting ready to throw down so i think unless like, no, galen unless no... he, i mean you don't kipchoge and bekele have known that something is coming right like we we've known about it now but I think the people who are going to be racing in this, or at least those guys, have been kind of given some kind of heads up that this is this yes. is going down. Seven yeah, weeks notice no is not buddy. enough time for a marathon. There's nobody that's racing in this field that found out about it. Sure. You know, this week, right? They found yes. out about it. They found out about it a, a while ago. Um, but no, I, I think it's gonna it's gonna be exciting. I, I'm I'm pumped. Did you guys and, see and the Trent, course? To your point, you said something that I don't necessarily think is true. You said that there's nobody that ran well at the at the trials that's sitting at home eating potato chips not running i think there very well could be right so if you if you just miss out on the olympics and then you find out that the olympics is canceled yeah that might be the time to sit at home drink some beer eat some potato chips and let yourself go for a little bit i mean that's what you or i would do but i feel like these guys are a little <laughs> bit different than us did you guys see the course that they've designed for this i have it's gonna no. it's gonna be 20 laps of like something that's just slightly over a mile it's gonna i mean it's the only they could do to get the fans out they need to do something like inside a big park but i mean it's <laughs> that's brutal it's basically just like a glorified track race brutal if you're an athlete not if you're a spectator though it's going to make it so much better for tv right i think that you know we'll be able to i think making making a marathon course like a 20 lap course is going to make it so much better for coverage it's i think that yeah. You're going to have, you're going to have better coverage. You're going to be able to like see where they are on the course at all times. Like, I think that's going to be great. Plus there's going to be no human interest story to follow, which is my favorite part about the potential coverage <laughs> oh, for this marathon. They'll find a way. They'll find a friggin' way. Let me tell you, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to dive in all the people that have been training their entire life to run London marathon and now can't. That's what they're going to be doing. They're cutting away from the action every five minutes to tell a different story. No, I, th I think you're right, Steve. I think the worst it is for the athletes you know the better you can make the spectating the the easier you can set up cameras the cooler shots you can get you can follow the races a little bit more and it if you're racing at cool. this level 
if you're racing at this level, you want you want it to be more spectator friendly because it just mean it just means it's going to be better for the sport. Nobody's if you're if you're in the London Marathon for a payday, you don't necessarily care about the scenery and be able being able to see the country. You're there to run a fast marathon and get paid. So if you can show it off and make ultimately make more money for the sport, you're going to like it more. And I would assume I haven't seen the course, but if it's only a mile long, you can't be throwing in like a haymaker hill every mile you can't do it so this must be a you know a pretty lightning it's, fast course it's super right? fast the organizer was saying this should be like potentially faster than berlin like this is going to be yeah like the, the potential here to actually have like a world record is especially with this feel that they're assembling and it's like all elite guys it could be you know, very like a real sub two see th- Never mind. I don't want to get on my sub two, you know, rant here about how I was anti sub two and that like four stuff here, but this could actually be a thing where you could potentially see it. Well, they'll would probably you, find a way argue, to make it you, not a real record anyways. Cause they, and they want to suck the fun out of any fast marathon. Like, Oh no, that's not a real marathon PR. But could you right? Like say like the condition, I mean, I, I don't think the wind would be a factor if it's a circle, right? Like, is, is, is know, it dude, going they, against any, is it going against any, uh, regulations for for a record. They have like they have like a phone book thick, you know, yeah. rule book on what can and cannot count as a world record. Basically, unless it's like exactly like you know the guys in the 1960s did it, then it doesn't count as a world record. If you're not wearing the same shoes that you know Bill Rogers ran in, then it doesn't count as a world record. All right, so the final news story we got here for the night is on running just signed a boatload of ncaa superstars the likes of carlos villarreal ollie holy or munson gordy beamish i mean there the list goes on and on what do we think about this new team that's coming in hot right off the gate and just dominating free agency I mean, I think whoever's signing these athletes is just listening to the P2E podcast and they're just like, well, like, like that interview, sign them like that interview, sign them. But, um, I'm pumped. Like this is going to be, you know, I, we, we talk like, I mean, I think if you listen to us, like we have favorite teams and we have teams that we cheer for a little bit harder than other teams. This is going to be one of my favorite teams. Like I genuinely like everybody that they sign. They're going to be fun to watch. Um, and the thing about starting from a blank slate and starting completely fresh and going out and starting a team in one year and not having to like have expiring contracts, you only have this much money to spend on people this year is you can go out and you can build the exact team that you want to grow for the next, you know, four to five years. So we're going to see, we're going to see these, these, you know, athletes like Klecker, Hoare, Villarreal, uh, Alicia Monson just really kind of grow in, into, into being like really strong pros. And it's, uh, I think it's a, a smart move by the brand and it's going to be a fun team. Oh, and signing, you know, Dathan Ritzenheim as the coach, which is kind of came out of left field. I mean, he was running for, for uh, Hanson's distance project just last year. And now he's, uh, he's the head coach of this team. So it's going to be a cool, fun team to watch. I'm excited. Yeah, couldn't agree more. This is like the, the on-running team brought to you by Peak Too Early. Maybe, maybe we can get a little dual sponsorship <laughs> there because it is just the friends of the program. But Steve, you hit on it, and I just want to hit on it again. I love the idea of getting all these these athletes that are like the same age, right? It's like a draft class coming out, and these guys will be comparing themselves against each other, right? They're, they're totally, you know, uh, just contemporaries, right? They're, they're, they can 
they've been doing the pro game as long as anyone else has. So I think it'll be fun to see them them work together here. Dude, um, how much how much fun is that team gonna have together? Yeah. Just gonna be just going back to college, partying with the boys again, just like a bunch of guys your age, like like minded. I don't know. It just seems like fun. <laughs> can we uh can we talk about the name on for just a quick second? Like ooh. I just, I just don't understand it. I can't imagine that they had a team of, you know, marketing executives go in there and come up with a name on and running. And maybe it's a European thing, right? Isn't it like a Swedish company or something? And I just don't understand. Like, but you come over here, you're you're chaining in America. I think you're going to be based in Boulder. Let's get a better name here. The on athletics group or whatever (laughs) the hell they're called. I mean, they might have a great coach. They might have good gear, but I think it's questionable for anyone to sign with, with on running. So I, I like yeah, it. I think, I mean, I think the athletics club is speaking to kind of the, the European, um, the European customer because track and field in Europe is called the athletics, right? So it's kind of the, Oh, I'm fine with of, that. What about the on though? Like who named their brand on? <laughs> Trent just hates this brand. No, I like it. I like, let's just like decide we're going to hate the name of that brand, Trent. That's, that's a great idea. On is a a stupid (laughs) name. And we have a lot of thoughts on here on like what some dumb names are, some good names are. Like I was already, you know, talking about the big friendly four, whatever the four speed with you track me earlier, but on is just bad. So here's what I will say. I remember my like, again, I don't claim to be some like, uh footwear like brand marketing guru i don't know anything about that crap right even like running shoes i just don't know that much about it but i remember like going into a running store two years ago and seeing an on running shoe and i was like what is this this must be some just like garbage like no name brand and then all of a sudden they're signing every athlete under the sun but here's what i will say like we can get excited about this right now and it's cool and like i said i think it's gonna be fun for the team it's gonna be a cool dynamic with all these young guns all these you know national champions just a year ago but then the excitement's gonna die down a little bit because we gotta remember like most of these kids are 22 years old so we're probably a few years away from them this actually paying off right like until now i think some of them will be olympians right now they'll make their their squads which is huge and it's going to be good for money and for, you know, contracts and stuff like that. But as far as like dominating on in the club scene, it's going to be a couple, they're a couple of years away from that. So I do think the excitement is going to come down a little bit and then maybe a couple of years from now, boom, ramp back up. Yeah. No, you, you stole the words out of my mouth there, Mike, where, you know, it, it's going, I think, it, you know, it's definitely going to take a couple of years for, for, I mean, they're, re- they're fresh out of college. So it's going to take, you know, some of these guys a couple of years to kind of progress, but the strategy and who they pick, not only great runners, great personalities, but they have, you know, just on the men's side, they have, uh, you know, three potential Olympians, like just because mm-hmm. of their international status in, um, you know, uh, Ollie Hoare, uh, you know, with Australia, uh, Carlos Villarreal with, with Mexico and uh, Beamish from New Zealand, correct? Yep. So, I mean, you know, they have their, it's a future play for them, you know, signing all these young kids, but, you know, they're going to be able to claim all these Olympians right off the bat. Yeah. We'll be ready for that. Yeah. So. All right, gentlemen, that's all we got for the news today. All right, we are going to get into our interview with legend 
Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall has the fastest American half marathon and marathon ever run. You know, we kind of talked about him a couple episodes ago as a potential to be the heavyweight champion of the mile. He addresses that. We talk a little bit about that, but it was an awesome time talking to him. So let's get into it. Hey, man, thank you so much for making some time for us. This is, this is going to be fun. Cool. Right on. Thanks for having me, guys. No, no. Dude, thanks awesome. for coming on. Yeah. Um, so, hey, I just want to start off. I want to get right into it. So, you know, from your retirement in 2016, you've kind of changed your athletic goals significantly. What kind of led to you deciding, all right, I'm done with the sport of running. I want to get into this powerlifting world. I want to get into this body, you know, you know, bodybuilding world. You know, was it like, you know, is it something that you wanted to do during your entire career? Or was it like, I am just sick of running. I want to do the exact opposite. <laughs> and uh there there was a whole bunch of reasons behind it um i could talk about this one for a long time i mean there is i'd say curiosity that was the main thing so every time i was around a person who was like big and strong i always wonder i was like what does that feel like you know being a, a marathon is five foot ten 137 pounds like uh, to be and to be honest like i never liked what i look like with my shirt off like yeah, like, you know, I was very skinny and I, I was very fast and I was, I was performing well at the level I wanted to be at, but I didn't necessarily like what I saw in the mirror when I take my shirt off. And also, too, just a little background, like, I had an older brother, Steve, um, who's he's five years older than me, and he's been into lifting ever since high school. So he's, like, 200 pounds, like, super strong, um, really sturdy, like, cut, like, and so, you know, I always kind of grew up looking up to him. But then obviously when I got into running, you know, I wasn't going that route, but I do have like a little bit of a genetic component to where um, I can also put on some size and strength. And I knew that was in there always. And I was always kind of fighting against that as a pro marathoner. So it was just kind of fun experiment. And also too, the main thing is I felt like my body was craving it. So, you know, running is such a catabolic activity, especially, you know, when you're running 120 miles a week and training, just, you know, try and run 445 pace for a marathon. When you're doing that, like you're stripping your body of like everything it doesn't need except for what it needs to do that. And so, you know, my body was just craving is just like, give back to me, give back to me, give back to me. Cause for 20 years I'm taking out deposits, right? It's like, it's like, I'm you know, banging 15, 20 miles a day and asking so much of my body. And my body eventually got to the point when I was 33, where it's like, all right, no moss, like I'm done. I've given you everything I can give you. Now it's time for you to give back to me. And so, you know, bodybuilding, weightlifting is the complete opposite of running. It's a very anabolic sport and you are essentially giving back to your body. It's building things. If you give it the nutrition, the sleep that it needs, and then of course doing your kind of daily lift session. So, but the main thing is just been super fun for me, you know, like I had nowhere to go but up. I remember, uh, you know, when I first got in the weight room, I think I, my deadlift started at like 150 pounds and, you know, I'm over there benching with like 95 pounds on the bar and I was so ashamed walking around in the weight room. So now like I'm here in Eugene training and I'm, I'm using, usually I, I train in my garage. So I usually don't see people, but it's been uh, fun to be in Eugene and at an actual gym. But I see like the super skinny dudes in there. You can tell are like just starting to get in there and their eyes are down and, they're not making eye contact with anyone because they're just like so self-conscious. 
And I'm like, man, guys, I know exactly how you feel right now. My heart just goes out to those dudes. Every and I'm like, also to like have hope. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not fun to be in the weight room as a runner. It's it's not. Um, but you know, it, it, it's a fun experiment too. Like, they, hey, we can all evolve. We can all change. It doesn't matter what your genetics are. Like, your genetics do limit you. If I want to be, you know, the best powerlifter in the world, I am. Yeah. Uh, just setting myself up for disappointment like that is not going to happen I do not have the genetics to do that I do not have the genetics to be a 300 pound bodybuilder like I'm well aware of that but you can get a heck of long ways even if you have maybe like in my case I have the genetics to be a 204 marathoner and hey like I can still get like fairly big fairly strong like I said I'm not gonna be competing in any shows and you know winning any bodybuilding competitions but you can, you know, get to a point where you're looking pretty good and, and feeling pretty strong and you can change yourself and your, your body evolves and change. And that's what I, I love about lifting right now. Yeah, I love it. I, uh, you know, I, I have a, a million questions on this topic, but I'm sure you, you know, spend a lot of your time answering these kinds of questions these days. So I'm just going to rattle them off for you right away. Get them all out there. My first one is, have you been to a high school reunion since, you know, putting on a weight? Because I am sure, you know, you had us all distance runners. We get it. You know, you get heckled as a distance runner, maybe get a little bullied, get called names. And then, you know, as your career goes, you show up to high school reunion a couple years later, you're doing your Olympic thing, but you're still a scrawny little guy. But one year you're going to come back and all those guys that bullied you are fat and out of shape now. And you're going to be this gigantic <laughs> dude. So have you had that moment yet? And if not, you know, is that going to happen soon? <laughs> no, you know, when I was in high school, I really kept to myself. So like, I didn't even stay that close to any of my high school friends or anything. So now I haven't had that yet, but I've had a lot of moments where people don't recognize me, which has been kind of interesting. Uh, I remember early on, so I kind of had to early on, I was putting on weight, right? But people thought I was just getting fat. And so like, like, for example, I was at the London marathon with Sarah right after I'd retired and it was about, well, it was about like six or nine months after, but I already put on like 20 pounds. And uh, I remember standing, standing in the elevator next to a TV commentator who had commentated my races quite a bit, knew me and Sarah. And I'm standing right next to him in the elevator. Sarah's in the elevator and he's talking to Sarah like, Hey, how you feeling for the race and whatever. And he's like, Hey, where's Ryan? And I was like, dude, I'm standing right next to you, brother. <laughs> so there's been like lots of awkward moments like that where like people didn't recognize me. And also it kind of depends on what phase I'm in. So, you know, I go into cutting and bulking phases. And so when I'm cutting, like my face kind of leans out and I start to look more like how my face looked when I was running. But when I'm bulking, like to me, there's no way around it. Like I don't put on muscle unless I'm like eating an insane amount of food and getting a little bit soft and I'm um, holding a little bit more like water weight in my face and stuff. And so that's when people tend to not recognize me and that can kind of lead to some awkward moments. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, there's times where I've looked at your Instagram and it's, it's laughable. I mean, do you ever just look at your old pictures and current pictures and just laugh? Cause, cause I certainly do. <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause I, I just feel like, I can identify in certain pictures when I was like too extreme in nature. Right. And I've talked about this on my Instagram before, like lighter is not always faster. And I think that's important for like runners to learn from my personal experience. So, I mean, I got down to 127 pounds at five foot 10 
and I was running my worst stuff at that race. So I can see like in the race photos, like when I was at healthy lean at like 137 pounds, like when I set the American record in the half marathon. And then I see those pictures of me at like Boston when the year that Meb uh, won the race, I think I was like 133. And I just like, man, I look sick. I look not healthy. I don't look strong at all. So those are kind of things I pick up, but yeah, like I definitely, I remember it was really awkward. The first, like right around on that nine month mark after I retired from pro running, I remember looking in the mirror and like not recognizing myself. I like, I swear I look like my older brother, Steve, the one who's into lifting, you know? And it, that was a, just a weird moment where you look in the mirror, like, dude, who, who are you? <laughs> you know? It's like a Disney movie, like moment where you look in the mirror, like, who am I? <laughs> yeah, I can, I can, uh, I can definitely relate to that. I've always been a bigger runner, you know, and I, and I always found that when I would cut down or try to cut down, I would get injured or I wouldn't be as fast. So I, I kind of settled into, you know, being okay with just being a, a bigger runner out there. But that's kind of what led me to my claims a couple weeks ago. So I claimed, you know, when I was in college, I raced at 165, 170. I'm a little bit heavier than that now. And I've, I've maintained a certain level of fitness. But I claimed I could be the heavyweight champion of the mile if I start bulking up a little bit and I start grinding out those miles. And, you know, these guys told me I was crazy. And I finally gave them some legitimate competition that could might take me on. So your name came up. What do you think? So you're on this, you're on this path to 200. You get to 200 pounds, just, you know, all muscle. What do you think you can run the mile? <laughs> oh, man, that's a good question. I mean, so the guy who would be able to do that is paul mcmullen you know who that is i don't know okay so he was like one of our i believe he's an olympian i think he ran like 330 or something like that for 1500 and i believe he was like right around 200 pounds like he was a big dude you should check him out um All right. but he's not he he's he's retired now and i don't know he, he i don't know what kind of shape he's in now he might still be in good shape i'm not sure but to answer your question I mean, I think it's going to take me a while to get to 200 pounds, especially a lean 200 pounds. I think I'll get to a soft 200 pounds in the next couple of years, probably. But I don't think I'll get to a lean 200 pounds for four or five years, which is going to put me even further from my running days. But, you know, it's interesting. Like when I cut down, I the running legs come back on pretty easy. Like I remember I was cutting down a year ago. And I did a Murph. Have you guys ever tried the Murph workout, the like mile run? And the, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was doing that and like not running much at all. And I could still run a sub five minute mile on the treadmill. But the thing is I'd have to train for it. And like, I really like, <laughs> like do not want, like when I think about training for a mile race, like I literally start feeling sick in my stomach. So I, I'm going to definitely tap out of that competition and just like, concede to you the victor steve <laughs> oh, Ryan, the worst. I, I listen I, I appreciate your your nice answer there and you know all the, everything you said but the fact that we're sitting here talking to the greatest american half marathon and marathoner of all time and steve this nobody tells you that he can beat you <laughs> in any kind of running event or, or he called it legitimate competition. He's a legitimate competition in any running event. Is the most r ludicrous thing I've ever heard. You could step on the track tomorrow and bury him in any distance. So I, I appreciate how kind and nice you were about it. But next time, I want you to just tell him to F off. I mean, it's just ridiculous. He can't so, be going around just making claims like that. And so you were talking about your well, older what, brother. 
I'm Mike's older brother, so yeah. he he thinks he can he thinks he can uh, talk trash to me. Gotcha. Well, what's what's your PR? Where are you at, Steve? I should ask that. So I've never I've never trained I've never trained for the mile. I ran the 5K, 10K in college, and after college, I ran a I ran a, a 4:23. Okay, nice. Well, what nothing nothing outrageous. Just what was the weight though when you ran that? I was about I was about 170. So the difference, I guess, is Steve will actually go after the 200. I mean, that's what's going to set you apart from anyone else in the heavyweight mile competition is that you're not afraid to like train for an extra 30 pounds out there where someone like Ryan may not prioritize that as something he needs to train for. <laughs> Anyways, well, we need to get that off the table. I, I, I appreciate your humility <laughs> and your, you, you know, you saying that you wouldn't be very good at it. I, I'm, I'm in Mike's camp. I beg to differ. But anyways. I want to I want to talk a little bit about your running days before we let you go. And I want to go back to 2011 Boston Marathon. The 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 four of us are from the, you know, greater Boston area, so the the Boston Marathon, it's like a cultural event for us every spring. Super bummed we didn't have it this year, but you go into that race, I believe I I couldn't find this race anywhere. So I'm going off a of pure memory right now, but I believe you went into that race. You were coaching yourself at the time you went out. I think you were out early in like world record pace and you kind of fell off a little bit. You came back near heartbreak Hill and you ended up holding on for the fastest American marathon time ever. Just super impressive. What was going through your race and when, at what point in the race were you like, this is at a point I've never been before. And I got a, I, I got, I got the opportunity to do something special out here. Oh man. I, to be honest, I knew on the starting line of Hopkinton, um, looking at the flags, I was just getting flashbacks of talking to Bill Rogers. And he told me, he's like, man, once every 10 years, he's like, you get a wicked tailwind out here and you can run super fast. And, uh, you know, I'd run the Boston marathon, I think two times prior to that and never had a tailwind is always kind of like a pesky crosswind. So I remember standing on the starting line and seeing the wind, seeing the flag in Hopkinton, just, just staff, just blowing the exact direction we're going. And I was like, man, there's a golden opportunity here. I was like, I'm not letting one mile go by slow. Cause you know how it is at Boston. They usually like work into it, get out a little bit slow. And I was like, no, no, we're not, <laughs> we're not doing that. Like we're getting right after it. And uh, yeah, we came through the halfway and uh, I think we were 6152 or something like that, which at the time, I think the world record was just a little bit over. I don't remember what it was. Maybe just a tad bit under 204. So we're all on world record pace. And I remember uh, Dave McGivery, the race director, he told me this afterwards. He's like, I saw that race, the halfway split, and I, I had to radio my clock guys. I was like, hey, you guys messed up the clock. Like, it says they're like 61 something. They're like, no, well, that's right. <laughs> like, they're just rolling. And uh, uh, yeah, like, that was just one of those days where not only was, were the conditions perfect, but I had been feeling phenomenal in the month leading up to that race. Um, even like the day before that race, I was literally like out on the path along the river there and doing my 30 minute eats easy run. And I was running like 5:30 pace and I just like, couldn't hold myself back. Like I was just feeling phenomenal leading up to that. Just in the last month though, I had a terrible race, um, at New York city half marathon leading up to that. And, uh, you know, that day everything was just clicking and, the wind was perfect. The conditions were perfect. And the guys I was running with were some of the best guys in the world. So, you know, they went on to run a time they'd never been run before, unofficial world record, of course, because the Boston Marathon's not legal for, for world records. But um, just to be a part of a race like that was just um, definitely a highlight of my career. And I'll never forget coming past the one mile to go mark. And they put a clock up there so you can kind of see where you're at. And I remember I saw my split was right at two hours flat. 
And luckily, you know, that's pretty easy to do the math on, but I was like, all right, here we go. Like either I can put my head down and just like, I was, I was hurting, right? Like I was in a world of pain. Like anyone who's run a marathon knows with a mile to go, like you're hurting no matter how you got there and how fast you're running, you're just in pain. And uh, I remember thinking, I was like, all right, I need to put my head down and just, you know, buckle down and try and get under 205 here. Or like I can just enjoy a nice big PR run 205 and change and just kind of coast my way in and enjoy this last mile. And I was getting flashbacks to the previous year when I ran Boston. I finished, I think it was, I think it was the previous year. It might have been two years prior. I finished fourth. And uh, that's because, like, I decided I was just going to, like, coast it in, come down Boylston Street. And so, like, I was, like, doing airplanes, coming down that final stretch, just enjoying it. And then uh, I didn't realize I was catching up to the fourth-place guy. And so it actually cost me a spot. So I finished fourth instead of third, which was, like, a $20,000, like, difference in payday. So I always joke that that was my $20,000 airplane ride that I took down Boylston Street. Um, but I, I remember that moment and I was like, nah, like this year I'll do my celebrating after the finish line. I'm gonna grip my teeth and I'm gonna try and run this last mile under five minutes and break 205. And I'm so glad I did. Cause you know, when you're in those moments, you're like, Oh dude, oh, oh, this is not that hard. Like I'll get back in this kind of shape and in this kind of opportunity, like I'll get another swing at this. You always think like, Oh, it's going to happen again, but you never know. And so I was really glad that um, decided to make the most of that last mile. And, you know, 204.58 sounds so much better than, like, 205.00. So, so much better. Um, is yeah. A, yeah, yeah, I'm glad I did that. So I would be willing to to bet that that's, you know, if not, you know, your, you know, top racing memory of all time or top racing moments, it's at least one of them. Um, but now your wife, Sarah, is out there on the scene crushing it. I saw – you know, just a few days ago, she went out there and dropped a 68 half marathon, six fastest woman half marathon of all time, or, uh, you know, American of all time. So she's out there crushing the scene. And I guess in a situation like that, because I've had a few teammates and, you know, brothers and friends and stuff like that, who their racing career and, you know, you know, it meant a lot to me and was close to, you know, how I saw my own racing. How much does, you know, Sarah's career mean to you and in relation to your own career you know what I mean like when she gets on the line is it just as important to you as you know when you were getting on the line oh Mike I mean it sounds like you know exactly how I feel and have experienced it because there's there's no greater feeling I've had in my career than when I watch her like living her dreams you know like when she ran 222 in uh in Berlin uh was that a little over a year ago now like man that I've never experienced that kind of satisfaction, that kind of like, 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 just like, Oh, we did it. You know, that kind of sensation. I've never experienced anything like that with anything that I've done um, in comparison to experiences I've had with Sarah. I mean, I've also sat through, uh, was it five, six Olympic trials that Sarah's had where she was trying to make the team and she didn't make the team, didn't have those days, you know, like it's sitting through all those like, rough moments where you know we're we're sitting like on a on a log on the side of the road like having a good cry after a race after the trials because she didn't make it she didn't live her dreams and so then you know when you hit those sweet moments when you really nail it when you really hit it 
oh, it makes them all the more sweet having gone through all those low moments together. So um, I'm definitely, you know, living vicariously through her. And at times that's even like kind of pulled me back into running a little bit where I'm like, oh, I'm a pacer. Like that was my thing last year. I was like, I'm get back in shape and pacer. And I got back myself back in like decent enough shape where I was, I was still lifting heavy. Um, but I got myself to where I could, you know, run like five, 16 pace fairly comfortably for like, I think six miles is what I got up to. But uh, man, the running just seems to be my kryptonite these days. <laughs> it didn't last a super long time, but you know, I'm still I'm still with her on the bike um, every single day for her runs and for her training, and I still go to all of her races. And you know, I'm I'm definitely her biggest fan, also her coach. But um, yeah, just getting to live vicariously through her is super fun. And then you know, not only that, but with my daughters now who are both um, into cross country running, I have one who's 20. Um, she's heading off to GCU this fall to run cross country for Sarah Slattery there. And then uh, I have another daughter who's 16. She's going to be a sophomore in high school. So I also get to, you know, be with, be with them on the bike. And it's pretty cool, you know. Like I can experience the exact same sensations that they're experiencing um, when I'm sitting on the bike next to them. It's actually like there's some really cool like psychology papers out about how like when you watch sports – you actually experience the same like endorphin release and some of the same experiences that the athletes are experiencing, which is why it's so addicting to watch sports on television. And I can totally like feel that happening to me as I'm sitting on the bike next to, you know, Sarah and my girls. What's it like having the girls running? Um, I'm assuming you're not their coach. So what's it like having them, you know, run for somebody else? Yeah. So, you know, I coach my girls in the off season, um, but you know, we're up in Flagstaff, Arizona and the coach Trina Painter, she's like an ex pro runner and she really knows her stuff. She has like, they've been state title champs a bunch of times. So it's really easy trusting, you know, Mia and Hannah with, with the, they're in good hands, you know, and with uh, Hannah going to coach Sarah Slattery and GCU like we know we've known Sarah and run with her when we were running professionally so it, it makes it a lot easier it would be difficult to be honest like it'd be really difficult if I was trading them off to like someone who didn't know their stuff <laughs> I don't know how I'd handle that situation it, it, I, I, I try and like be a good boy and be like all right I'm their dad first and you, you just cheer them on and, and don't don't undermine the coach but to be honest I don't know what I do in that situation it'd be tough oh Ryan hey thank you so much for coming on everybody listening right now you gotta go check out run the mile you're in I have it on the way from Amazon right now you also gotta check out Ryan's podcast run uh uh, run free training podcast. So check that out. Um, but I just got to tell you, you know, uh, having you on this podcast, it, it's, it's a real milestone for the podcast. You know, I mean, I, I ran in high school from 2000, well, from about 2004 and I graduated college in 2011. And so like you were the guy when I was running in school and, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's really cool to have you on. And, um, you know, I appreciate you doing that, but before we let you go, we end every episode of the quick game. So Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? Name of the games down the home stretch. Specific topic, rapid fire questions. We're gonna get back into what we started with a little bit, and uh, you know we're gonna hit you with some questions on advice for you know us skinny runners to 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 get big and strong like like yourself. So Trent's gonna hit you with the first question. Let's do it. All right, Ryan. This is kind of a serious question. If if I'm running a lot, do I get to skip leg days or still do I still have to do leg day? <laughs> Definitely sloppy leg day. You can't skip leg day. Running does not build a size or strength so much. Although if you do hill reps, I don't know, maybe you could, you could get by with just doing hill reps. How many boxes of cereal do you go through in a week? <laughs> <laughs> that is a great question. 
uh, a lot, a lot. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure how many boxes, but um, between me and my kids, you know, we're dropping four hundred dollars at the grocery store pretty regularly. <laughs> that, that was my question. Steve saw oh, my question, so that's okay. All right. <laughs> If you, if you can only do one of these exercises for the rest of your life, what are you going to go? Push-ups, pull-ups, or sit-ups? Oh, uh, I'm going to have to go push-ups. Uh, I'm not super good at pull-ups. I've never been. So, yeah, I have to go push-ups. kind of hits a lot of different muscle groups, too. Right. You know this earlier where us distance runners always feel kind of out of place when we go to the gym. So what's one exercise I can do at the gym that'll make me look cool in front of the real lifters out there? <laughs> so I don't know about you, but I was always really good at toe raises. I think I think runners have like pretty ripped calves in general, and their calves tend to be pretty strong. And a lot of dudes who are in the weight room are skipping leg day and not hitting their calves. And so I think I think runners can make their calves pop and look good for sure. Love it, Pro Flow. Hit him with the last question. All right, Ryan. So. I'm actually kind of coming at this from the other angle. I was more of a baseball football guy. I'm training for the first race in my life in about a week. And it's actually against Mike specifically and everyone, but mostly against Mike. So I got a week left and I've actually been trying to cut down weight so I can run a faster time. Do you have any advice for me going the opposite direction one week before this race? Just don't try and cut the last couple of days before your race. <laughs> That's how you can really shoot yourself in the foot. So you want to be like high energy when you get out there, right? So um, I'd continue to cut, but then two days prior to the race, I'd load back up on carbs, make sure you're well-fueled. Like don't try and lose weight those last couple of days so that you're ready to go for that race. That was the best answer of all time. <laughs> so it's over. The training is <laughs> over. Oh, Mike is screwed. That was the best. You couldn't have answered that question any better. That was unbelievable. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Awesome. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a ton of fun. Yeah, super fun to be on. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thank no you problem, so man. much, Thanks, Ryan. Man. Appreciate it. Nice man. to meet you, Ryan. All right, that interview with Ryan Hall is brought to you by Bell Lab Track and Field Gear, where your purchases go directly back to professional athletes. Support the sport you love with the help of the Bell Lab boys. Look good, feel good, run good. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I got to send you to their Instagram page. Go buy some sweet stuff. Like I said a couple episodes ago, I've been rocking their awesome hat. It's like my new favorite running hat. So you got to get there, get their gear, help the sport, help those guys. Let's do it. And as we're recording it, Ryan Hall just posted that he has a documentary going out on Amazon, on iTunes, I believe this week. So it's, uh, I think it's the Ryan Hall film. Let me just pull this up real quick. Oh, it's the, it's the 41st day. So go check that out. I'm looking forward to watching that. I'll probably watch that this week. Yeah. So Steve, every once in a while we get a guest and, you know, an interview and, you know, it's different and exciting. And, you know, we, we've had so many huge names on this show already, but for whatever reason, someone like Ryan Hall, and this is like the first way I felt this way since like maybe we had Leo Manzano where it's like, this is a guy that we grew up watching. And as I was, you know, in the heat of my, running kind of like you talked about in the interview this was a guy i was looking up to and following his career so i mean that was another pretty surreal one that was like wow this that was that was pretty cool that we just got to talk to that guy yeah i i, I told i told you you three guys that you know when i was in college I, I i didn't start off on a cross-country track team and i was trying to walk onto a team and i had i'd only been running for like a year or two at that point i had no idea what i was doing no idea what i was doing for workouts 
I, so I would just go on YouTube and online and watch videos of, of athletes, runners, and just try to copy their form. Or if I could pick up anything, any type of workouts or anything, I would watch that and I would go do that. And Ryan Hall was like the guy for me. I would, I would go on and I was, I would watch his, his, you know, running. He had a lot, he was doing a lot of stuff with flow track at the time. So I'd copy his workouts. You know, I was, uh, I had, I used to run with my arms up high and, uh, you know, Ryan Hall had the famous stride where his arms are really low. And so I would go out there and I would copy him and I was able to completely adjust my stride by watching Ryan Hall. So, you know, that was, that was kind of like a holy crap moment for me. I can't believe we're, you know, this, this podcast started as a joke and we're interviewing Ryan Hall right now. So that was, that was very cool. And he couldn't have been a nicer dude. It was so much fun talking to him. Um, just a, just a great all around guy. You might've idolized him as a runner, Steve. I, I idolize him as just a, a bodybuilder now. I mean, my God, he looks good. The guy is buff as all hell jacked, a handsome man. So uh, he is, he is now my, uh, you know, eventually when I totally give up on running, Maybe I'll, I'll train and look like Ryan Hall one day. You guys think I can do it? Not a chance. You got to eat like three boxes of cereal a day. So, Oh, I could do that. I love cereal. Yeah, probably. Frosted flakes. All right, guys. So let's get into our final segment here. We get, we're going back. Been a couple weeks since we've done it. We're doing our personal podium. And this is going to be, you know, so it's a big saying, you know, in a lot of sports, but I think in running in particular, they say, no, you, you got to do all the little things, right? Everyone's going to do their summer training. Everyone's going to get their miles in, but you got to do the little things. So this is the personal podium of your least favorite little things. So I don't know, Steve, you always do some wacky uh, picking the order thing. I don't know. What, what should the order be? All right, let's go. Let's go with Mike. How many beers did you have last night? Last night, uh, I had none. I had to drive home at like 10.30 at night last night. Yeah, night. Trent, how many did you have? One beer. Tuckerman's. One beer. All right. So it's going to go, it's going to go Trent, me, Mike. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how that influenced your decision. <laughs> Neither do I. We'll leave it as a mystery. <laughs> he just was curious. All right. I had a lot of fun with this one. There was a, the little things are super important, right? And they're, they're what separate, I think, the post-collegiate runner from the college runner, where we're trying to hang on, but I'm too lazy to do these things now. Um, so there were some more serious ones, but I, I got kind of creative here, and I think I like my, uh, my podium here. So I'm going to start off with not drinking the night before or, like, during the day before the run, if that counts as a little thing. Like, when you're, when you're actually training for something, it does help to not be hungover all the time. Sometimes I think it's fine to be hungover. You kind of work through it. You, you sweat it out, and you feel like you accomplish something important. But other times, you don't want to be showing up to, like, every workout, having, you know, a few too many the night before. You're just, you're just not going to do your best. So you have to refrain from the drinking. That's a very important little thing to being a good runner. All right, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with core. I feel like that's an easy one. And and back in college, it was easy, right? You finish practice, you kind of you get together a group. You know, probably I think we did it like three times a week. You do like a a core session. Now, ever since graduation, I'd be lucky if I do core once a month. Um, and I so I I actually did core last night for the first time, and I don't know how long, and it was brutal. I couldn't do half the stuff that I used to do. Like I was doing a plank. I, I was embarrassed by how long I held that plank, but core is the absolute worst, especially when you're not at practice doing it with a team. So core is my number one pick. Steve, do you do the same routine that you did in college? Uh, I have that routine. Um, I try to mix it up a little bit. Last night I did my college routine and it wasn't pretty. 
yeah, I remember everything and I still go through it time to time. And it's just amazing how hard it's gotten. That leads me perfectly right into mine because I think this is the most simple one, maybe, you know, the most obvious one, stretching. I mean, I hate stretching. And you made me think of this, Trent, when you said the same routine. I feel like everyone has their stretching routine that they've done for 10 years and you do the exact same thing every single time. I can't remember the last time I did that routine. I just hate stretching. I just, and, and it would be the best thing for me right now, but I'm not, I don't do it anymore. So stretching is one. My next one, I'm going to go with keeping a log, right? Like planning out your workouts, keeping your log, like keeping track of your miles, knowing where you're at, you know, you have a, a day that you didn't feel so good. You write your little notes in the comment section on, you know, what happened. Oh, I didn't feel so great today. Maybe didn't do enough of this or that. And then you can look back in a couple months and see what works. Dude, the last time I kept a log was the day I graduated from college. Those don't exist in my life. I don't want to know what my weekly mileage is. I don't know, want to know, you know, what I've been doing, what I'm going to be doing. It just, if I can get my run in, I get there. I, you know, get what I can in. And that's that. That's all I'm doing. Great pick. Great pick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't remember the last time I actually kept a log. It's usually like Saturday. I'll be kind of going through my head and be like, all right, how many miles did I get? All right. I can, you know, maybe cut a couple miles off my, off my long run. Cause I, I did enough miles this week, but you know, log, keeping a log is the worst. All right. So I'm going to go with this one. This one's pretty specific to me, but um, you know, when I'm really ramping up my training and I get a little injury, you know, I, I have a lot of Achilles issues when I really ramp up my training, but you know, I, I've been going to this guy forever. He's a chiropractor and he, uh, you know, he does a little, you know, active release and I think it's called the, the Graston, you know, scrape it out the, the muscles. And so whenever I have an Achilles injury or it starts flaring up, I'll go get that scraped out. And it is, it is the most painful thing. It is just absolutely just just uh, taking a metal tool, scraping on just a little bit of little bit of muscle, mostly bone, just completely tearing up that scar tissue or whatever's in there, whatever he's doing, breaking up all the crap. It's like I'm laying down on the table and like I'm almost in tears every single time. It's the absolute worst, but it's the little things you got to do to keep going out there. You know, I'm in my early 30s right now, and I'm you know in competition for the heavyweight champion of the world in the mile. So there's a lot that keeps this body moving. A little device they use for that, a little like knife, butter knife looking thing. It just looks so harmless. And then it just oh, puts you in a brutal. world of pain. Trent, nobody, nobody uses that tool quite like Gwen. Oh my God. Shout He's out to Gwen. Best magician. Track cross country trainer of all time. Um, she was the best. It's a lot of time with Gwen in the training room. All right. Um, here's one that is uh, a shout out to i guess all all the uh, all the poor runners out there like myself um buying new running shoes when you don't have a connection <laughs> like i feel like i would just wait till the absolute end of the running shoes because i didn't want to have to go and spend the whatever money on it right um and i also had an attachment to my running shoe right you put a lot of miles in those things and they're kind of falling apart be like oh it's fine there's a little hole you know where my pinky toe is or the grip is totally gone like under my heel but I just remember back in college, it was constantly like calling my parents, Hey, can you guys, you know, buy, buy a new pair of shoes for me? Or even now it's just a, it's like a, I just hate, I just hate having to go in and spend money on running shoes. So um, that's just me being cheap, but uh, definitely on my, on my anti running, you know, list there. I'm going to finish it off here with something that is uh, I'm really glad I made it this far. Not that I thought anyone would take, it, but I'm trying to say this gracefully, 
um, timing or forcing, you know, a, a bathroom break before you go for a run, right? Or the race, like you do not want to be out there when you're doing a long run, right? 10 to 12 miles, let's say for or when we're used to be doing that every day and you're, you're five miles out, right? And you, you just got to like sit down somewhere and use the bathroom. So I just feel like there was so many mornings or, you know, rushing the practice and like, I need to just sit down and see, see what I can do here and get it out. Now I don't go for long enough runs where it matters, right? I'll just be close to home, but um, forcing, forcing the bathroom out before the run is just one of the worst feelings of all time. Uh, all right. So I'm going to go with my last pick and it's something that as, as I get older, you know, as, as this, you know, this heavyweight champion of the world body has to get out there and, and do some miles, you have to ease into it, right? The first mile, it's got to be slow. If I ramp up the right away in that first mile, the run's done. It's just, it's just going to be a crappy run. I'm probably going to hurt myself. I probably won't be able to run tomorrow. First mile, it's got to be, it's got to, you can't even look at the watch. You just got to keep the body moving, warm up, and then you can get going into the second mile. So taking it easy in the first mile, that's, that's, that's my, uh, that's my third place pick. Oh man. There's still so many good ones here. Oh, uh, let's see. Okay. I think I'm going to go with, think I'm going to go with, see, this one's weird because there was something kind of, um, it was part of like the team, like something you got to do, do it with your teammates and you fight through it. And you know, there's funny stories from it. So in college, I didn't, I didn't hate it that much, but now that I'm not part of a team, I don't think I'll ever do it again for the rest of my life. And that's take an ice bath. I mean, there is no reason for me to ever take an ice bath again. If I'm hurting bad enough that I need an ice bath to get into my next run, I'm just going to take a few days off. We're just, you know, we're just going to shut it down for a little bit and we'll, we'll wait until I don't need the ice bath anymore. So my last one, I'm going with ice bath. Oh, but you feel so good after. You do, but this time just... of year, man, I could dude. you guys see me. I'm dripping sweat. I could use an ice bath right now. Jump I, in there. I'm a big fan of it. I just hate having to set one up without the proper ice bath that's, facilities, right? That's gotta, like, the thing. Go out, buy bags of ice. You just fill in your bathtub up, which takes 45 minutes, right? It doesn't go out like the, the good old ones and the athletic training facilities out there. That's the worst part about it. You're right. That's the pain in the butt is setting it up. Whenever, whenever I'm in a hotel that has an ice machine on my floor, I always take an ice bath because it's like, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get an opportunity like this again, because I got to go out to the store. I got to buy, you know, five bags of ice, load up the tub. But if it's right outside my door, might as well. I've actually, I've actually gone to hotels, gone to my room, walked past an ice machine and seen that I don't have a tub. I have a shower, gone back downstairs and asked for a tub so I could take an ice bath. Love it. Love the commitment. How many, how many, what's the most amount of people you've seen get into one ice bath at a time? (laughs) We used to have massive tubs in college, though, so. Uh, we had tiny ones. Oh, we had big ones. Um, we had a big tub. I mean, we, I think you could fit, you could probably fit, like, six people in that. Yeah, I think you could comfortably fit, like, two or three in ours, but we used to, we used to push it. I think we used to regularly get, like, five or six, you know, people stuffed up in there. As- you have to play, like, a little, like, puzzle game, like, form and you know making sure we can you know this guy's got to go on his knees this guy's gonna kind of lean on his side a little bit but you make it work i was always as a big ice bath guy 
so jealous of the big time schools or the NFL locker rooms where they have those like 30 person oh, you know, yeah. basically pools. They're just like ice bath pools. And I remember at Stonehill one time, uh, the football team was in there using it and they just had, it was during preseason. They had these like just big, basically like trash cans outside. They're like, Hey, we could fill this up for you. And so we're taking ice baths and just like a big trash can. It's like, and then you go on Instagram, you see, you know, the, the, LSU and just locker room with the 30 person ice bath. And, <laughs> and then they have a jacuzzi next to it. So you can get out of the ice bath and go in the jacuzzi. Yes. It's the worst. But how about you flow? Now that you're a runner, what's some, what's, what's a, what's something small that you're doing? Yeah. Um, I think the little thing that I have disliked the most is simply running on a track. I really mm-hmm. enjoy running on the street. You know, you get, you see other people, you get a million things that take your mind off of what you're actually doing. Once I started running on a track, I'm just like counting the laps. I'm like, oh my God, that's only one lap that I've done. I feel like I've been running and I have seven more the, you know what I mean? Like running on a track, I've, I've been like, what do I have to do to just get my mind off of it? It seems so simple to me, but it totally changed running once I got in just a circular motion. Yeah, that's why like two thirds of, you know, my year when I was running competitively were just miserable because I hated the track. I could never run fast on a track. Get me on a cross country course. Get me on a road. You nailed it, Flo. Running on a track is, it's just the worst thing in the world. Right, right, maybe slightly better than running on a treadmill. And that's also why when you say it's only four laps, an NFL player could keep up with you. It's a lot higher than that because <laughs> those laps are pretty long, man. He had to know he was going to find a way to try and bring it back to that. <laughs> That's fine. I was going to say, I was going to say on my short list, I had, you know, defending my sport from people that think that <laughs> NFL players could do it without any training. Well, after you see how wrong you are about my time, then I don't know if you're going to be able to hold any Pat, weight in any sort of conversation. Pat, I want you to. Like, I genuinely, Thank I you. want you, I want you to kick ass in this two mile. I'm just worried by the way that you described how a football player would go about running a mile. I'm concerned that you're going to just go out way too hard. Steve, I heard everything that you said. I, I, you don't have to repeat. I heard everything. I replayed it a few different times, actually. You actually, well, first of all, you had the opportunity just to give your buddy just a little pump. You could have called me a great athlete. You called me a good athlete. Yeah, so I, I, gave I, heard that. I gave you a compliment. I gave you a compliment. You called me a good athlete. I thought great was coming, but you didn't. You didn't want to do it. And you said I would walk. Like that was when I my car. I almost got in a car accident and I went off the highway. I was like, are you like? I don't know. I have a lot to prove. I, I just, I just can't wait. People, I think the record. I think the records show that I had your back, Phil. People may think we're just trying to talk about the peak too early two miler coming up, just like constant pub beer. We're really. This was not in the the show notes here. This is just gen like real animosity and just emotional intensity about. Trent, uh, you don't you don't read the show notes. Stop trying to act like you read the, the show notes. Was it in the show notes today? You have to. Doesn't search matter for if I read it or not. They were not in the inbox. They were not. I want the record. I want this on the record, Pat. The only reason Mike was defending you is because he wanted to skew the spread and get the spread as low as possible for this. He got four so just know minutes. that. No, the just know that. Skewed. Just know that that Mike was trying to skew the spread. Okay, then I was gonna wait, but I'll just get into this right now. It's four minutes and ten seconds for one. Mike didn't defend me, and here we go. 
I will. I bet did defend you. you I want. said I'll go a hundred bucks against Steve, a hundred bucks against Mike, and then I'll also have Trent is going to also go a hundred against both of you for four minutes and ten seconds. And if I lose, I'll pay for Trent's losses because he's the only one that actually defended me. That's just not you true. You guys can decide if those that's that, not that true. Amount I had to wait. You want to do twenty bucks? That's fine, but I'll pay for Trent. If I lose, but I just want to give Trent some cash because he's. The only I, one I said me. I thought you were going to break me fifteen. Up. Sign me I up. I was the I was the only one of the three that said I thought you were going to break fifteen. Pro flow. So, what would you have put the spread at if you were there last time, and we just kind of ask you for your honest opinion? Like, what what was the number in your head that you thought and, would be fair? And give us an honest one because the the line is set. There's no changing it now. It's locked in. What would you have made the spread? The line is the line is officially locked in. It's a it's it's locked in. Yeah. Mm, I still don't know if I even wanna. I still don't know if I even wanna get Let's into go. it. Give it. Give we, it. To us. We gave our opinions last week. You got to give your. It's already. It's already locked in. It's already locked in. All right. I was gonna ask for two twenty, in hopes that I got one fifty five. <laughs> okay. I'm, that just made my See, night. <laughs> and that was my coaches that told me to ask for that, not me. I wish the listeners could see the look on these guys' faces right now. I just wish the listeners could see the look on these guys' faces right now. When we screenshot this, it'll just have Trent and me looking dapper, looking unbelievable, and then Mike and Steve just trying to pick their jaws up. So you, so you think that you can run close to six minute pace with this? If you can, I'd be Pat. I would be, I would be so pumped, and I would be very impressed. But that's what you think. You think you can do like? You think you can do like? 615 620 pace i think maybe no i think um that maybe i i don't think michael run under 11 you so that's, still can't, what run ba- that's what we're basing it off of but he'll run close to 11 i'll run under 13 you'll run under 13 yep i would be very impressed if you do that i hope you're very do impressed that. too if well, you yeah, if just... you do that you will you will you you will earn mike's money and based and based on and based on your confidence right now i'm not betting against you so i'm well, glad Proflow wasn't there last week well and, yeah. and you know what and you know what hey everybody so this brings me to my last point or my last marketing piece or whatever about the p2e two miler is that we're going to be getting together like i said if you're in the lowell area and you want to join us for the p2e two miler we're going to be doing it on on a Friday night, uh, I will set that. Follow us on Twitter. I'll send out the details via Twitter um, on Friday. But it'll be Friday evening. We want to get the sun out. We're gonna have 27 video out there. We're gonna have two heats, and they're both gonna be on Instagram Live. So, you know, I'm gonna Trent and I are gonna try to. I'm gonna. Well, Trent's not gonna be there. I'm gonna try to pull myself together. I can barely walk right now. Never mind run. So I'm gonna try to get out there. I'm gonna run in the sub 12 minute heat. Um, We'll see how it goes. Um, Pat's going to run in the above 12 minute heat. We'll have both of them. We're going to, we're going to get footage from both. Both are going to be on Instagram live. So if you can't join us at the track track, tune in on Instagram live. And then if you're in the connect, if you're in Connecticut and you would like to join Mike for his two miler, I think we're going to try to get that on Instagram live on Saturday morning. DM us. We'll send you DM us on Instagram. We'll send you the details about that. All right, boys. On that, let's kick off the bell lap. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell lap? All right, so we've been talking about the results of the big friendly. We got the uh, 
the Bekele Kipchoge marathon coming up on Friday. We have legitimate track. We got some uh, track going down in Monaco. I know we got some big names down there. So, I mean, I'm going to be watching. I think we got to get pumped for it, get some track going, get it on your TV, watch some real sports. I think this is going to be the realest track event we've had so far. I, I don't usually like wasting my bell app on nerdy track stuff, but I feel like we hadn't talked about it yet. We got to get it out there. And I'm thinking maybe we're not going to do a consistent broadcast for this one. Those are coming. We're going to keep doing, doing those in the future. But if you guys are watching the track, we might jump on before or after kind of like some of the big races. So keep an eye out for that. You know, if you want to kind of, you know, if you have something, whatever, keep an eye out for that. We're going to, we're going to kind of come on and break down some of the big races. Trent, what do you got for people on the bell app? Uh, not much. Just want to promote myself here. I'm headed out to uh, my softball game in a little bit. We got a recording before it. I feel like I'm at the, the peak of my physical powers right now, right? I got softball tonight. I got, I'm running the Falmouth road race this weekend. So I'm a, a classic, just two sport athlete right now. So guys, I'm just, I'm just feeling the top of my game. Um, I've never felt better. I've never felt faster. I've never, you know, thrown out so many guys from left field. People are calling me Jackie Bradley Trent out there. It's a pretty good nickname. So just, just beware if you're in, uh, you know, a softball league in uh, the greater Boston area that uh, I'm coming for you. Bro, Flo, what do you got for people on the Bell app? Oh, 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 oh. Bruins are back. Huge oh, yeah, win baby. today. Let's go. I'm, I'm getting this podcast ready. It's going to drop tomorrow morning. When you're hearing this, just know Bruins are back. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Guys. If you haven't signed up for the two-miler, what are you waiting for? Let's go. It's going to be a ton of fun. I cannot wait. I'm pumped. We got a race back on the calendar in a world where there's no races. We're going to hang out virtually, have a few drinks together, have a couple laughs, have some good times. Um, Get your videos in. If you're signed up, email your videos to the email that we gave you. So that's P2E Virtual Race. Videos, pictures, so we can put together a big video at the end, post it on social media, make it feel like we're kind of together other than that, boys, I wouldn't run faster, but I peak too early. That, hit me up to Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I don't want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your Wow. Clean myself up once in a while. Look at this. Never, I just put the shirt on. I'm already sweating through it. We got polar opposites here. <laughs> Steve sweating. Trent, not only is this the best I've ever seen you look, that might be the best I've seen anyone ever look. Wow. The, oh, hair, I was just... the glasses, the books. Look, I got <laughs> books. Yeah. I got books okay. on my new thing too. I haven't read any of them, but Book, books are Woo! huge. Huge part of the podcast studio. Are you doing a standing desk too? Oh yeah, I got the standing desk going on. I, it helps me when I'm making my business calls, you know? I'm just in China, this guy, in China, that guy. Wow. I'm smiling to the ladies walking by on the street, you know? Eight to the eight to the L-I-Y.